Hey, welcome everybody to Crosspoint Scripture Podcast. Um, Now live, not live, now available on Spotify. And are we available on Apple yet? I don't think we're verified yet, but we do have, it's on our website as well. All right. Thank you, Easton Walker, recording engineer and guest uh, star today. Um, We are working on getting onto Apple and we will get on there. We're not going to quit. And also, um, Easton, as we told you our last episode, has made a uh, website for the podcast that you can get to via link on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter. Facebook and Twitter. So spare no time or expense to get to the Crosspoint Church on Facebook and um, hook up so you can never miss an episode of the podcast and so you can share with your friends. Um, today, uh, we've been promising you a special episode, and you are going to get it. Okay, so if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you want to go and check out last episode. But um, we've been promising a special episode today on Thursday, so we're going to take a verse today, but it was a request. I've been telling you since the beginning of the podcast that we're definitely open to requests for you to send in a favorite verse or, and this could even be more interesting, a verse that you hate (laughs) that just gets you and you're like, I don't get it or I don't like it or it's so challenging or I don't understand it. Um, That could be good too because there's a lot of meat there. And so we've taken two requests so far, and then Easton actually had a request. I, it's possible he's just bored of listening to me talk while he sits up here recording everything. But I want to hear myself talk now. Something got him wandering and was like, man, I'm going to throw in a verse. So he gave us a nice controversial one about riches and getting into the kingdom of heaven. And we thought, hey, let's try this. Since he's here, why not have him give his requested verse and also give some background like, Here's some reasons why this verse has either perplexed or encouraged or challenged me, and we'll just see. So here's here'll be our challenge. What we could do is turn this podcast here into a big old expose on riches and Christianity, but we're going to avoid doing that. What we're going to try to do is keep it to the Crosspoint Church Scripture podcast. So in other words, fielding all of Easton, well, some of Easton's questions, and curiosity about this verse will just the context and seeing Jesus in these verses kind of shed light on and if not answer all of his questions at least say oh okay man I've got a lot of new ways to at least look at this verse so that's that's the hope mm-hmm. and we didn't rehearse this so I have no idea if it'll work I might I might point out context and all of our tools and Nisa might go no it's just not doing it for me man here's I'm still puzzled mm-hmm. and that you're just going to have to live with that, audience. Yep. Okay, so I guess the best way to start is, um, Easton, you just you you have the floor. You let us know the verse. So our verse today comes from Matthew um, chapter 19, well-known verses. Um, you'll, you'll be very familiar with them when we get to them, but the, the address is Matthew 19, 23, and 24. So, Easton, why don't you just fire away, let me know what some of the background, why you wanted to ask about this verse. Sure. So I, I think it's a pretty relevant reason uh, to look at this verse right now. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with uh, the the wealth, I guess, the perception of wealth and how pastors uh, spend it right now. It's in the media a lot. Uh, on Instagram, there's a Preachers and Sneakers podcast, which is, if you haven't, uh, there's a Instagram and they also have a podcast. And if you haven't seen it, basically what they do is they take uh, the, you know, well-known pastors like Stephen Furtick, T.D. Jakes, all those kind of things, and they go through the pictures that have been taken of them on social media 
take their shoes and then find the shoes online to see what they go for and they sometimes they're $200 which to me I think as an adult if you if you work a good pair of work boots is a few hundred dollars so that's not obscene uh, in my opinion but there's some shoes that that retail for like two thousand dollars which i you know we'll talk about it later in the podcast (laughs) podcast. maybe i might i might try to avoid it but like uh two minutes in is a little uh five minutes in is a little uh too soon to draw conclusions on that but uh and then there's uh the whole kenneth copeland thing which if you don't know who that is he's a pretty prominent pastor he's on tv uh a lot i've never really watched him but uh he had made a comment about there being uh, he d- he didn't want to fly commercial because of uh, what he said were demons in a plane, and then of course uh, Insider Edition came and uh, interviewed him about it, kind of ambush style slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he says I didn't mean the people, and you know it's a the video is definitely <laughs> a little hard to watch, but. Um, it's really not about what we think about him, but he does uh, the scripture that we're talking about today was quoted uh, at him asking, what do you think about this? Like, why do you have a, a private jet? And so it's a pretty interesting question because I know uh, now I'm not a Bible scholar, even though I work at a church, I'm not a pastor. I do primarily uh, uh production so uh i do have to check myself whenever i make Mm -hmm. videos just to make sure i'm not getting into any any weird stuff but i'm not a pastor so i feel like i have a pretty similar view to most people uh when it comes to the bible that that read it weekly but are not paid to study it yeah um far as your experience with you're just saying you're just trying to follow god you're a normal guy and just trying to make what you can of it all right, right what i'm hearing so far in the background of your question is the idea of money and Christianity and America and how much money should you have, and especially like focused and localized and made very obvious in pastors doing things like owning a private jet or more than one, and also having, and right on down to the funny kind of granular side, or maybe not so funny, but interesting anyway, $2,000 shoes. Yeah. Okay, but you're saying you're not untouched by the whole money and God thing either. I mean, does it have personal interest to you as well? Or are you just worried about how pastors use their money? Or yeah, I mean, I I think the the purpose of the question is isn't to uh, kind of certify or condemn any specific uh, pastor. It's just a, a way to look at uh, as Christians how should we handle money? Because to me, um, you know, spending a couple hundred dollars on a pair of you know, work boots is a lot, but in some cases it's a necessity. But, you know, when you're pastor of a megachurch or like Joel Osteen, who doesn't take a salary, he just makes money off books and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, $2,000 shoes is probably like at 0.00001% of his income. So is it, mm-hmm. and he donates, I don't, you know, I don't know how much. Yeah. So, it's kind of you're you're in different brackets of wealth, and and the perception can be misleading. and And God does bless a lot of people uh, abundantly, um, but then you know we'll read in the context before and after uh, that you know He says Jesus says that if you want to be perfect, give up, you know, sell everything you have. Mm-hmm. 
But again, we'll I guess we'll find out more about that in the context. I hope I hope so, yeah. or else we're just going to raise a bunch of questions and not yeah. answer them. All right, so um, I think you guys are hearing in Easton's question so many things you have heard and probably thought yourself. And I know I think Easton was saying, "Oh, I'm not sure if it's coherent, understandable." I think it is because he's just saying a lot of you know things we all think it's big in our culture right now. Also, I could think of wealth inequality huge political issue right now um, how much money should some people have versus how much should they not have so all these questions kind of zing around um, this podcast would probably be a lot more valuable to you if we were going to solve <laughs> solve all that right now but what we can what we can do and I think this is very important what we can do is since we are followers of Jesus Christ and we base our life and faith on the Bible we can kind of come down to this verse and see instead of Easton and I just doing the best we can trying to figure it out. Let's see what, if anything, this verse has to say about it. Since it's used so often and since it was quoted in the interview there with uh, one of the prosperity preachers we were talking about, um, let's just get down to the verse real quick and see what, if anything, it can say. So reading in uh, the ESV, Matthew 19:23 says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And uh, I would be willing to bet that so many of you have probably heard that verse before. It's it's very well known. Uh, there's lots of ways to take it. To, we'll, we'll go for two extremes. Um, two extremes that I've heard. Not saying whether they're right or wrong. I'm just saying that if you imagine the idea of the subject being having a left and right hand, then one would be far on the left and one would be far on the right. So a far left, just again, using an analogy here, I don't mean left politically, I don't mean left theologically, I just mean, you know, let's just go to the far one side or the other of the issue. So way over on one side would be the idea that what the Bible is saying right here is, if you are rich, you can't get into heaven. So, And some of the difficulties there obviously would leave un... It leaves the word rich undefined um, undefined if you are rich you can't get into the kingdom of heaven so then everybody will go well then I need what do you mean by rich okay and then on the far other side it's saying if um, this verse is definitely not saying that rich people can't get into heaven it's saying that actually uh, there's a way to be rich but not trust in it and God is holding that up as being good somehow those are the two sides I've heard. That actually, um, this verse is just talking about trusting in riches and has nothing to say with the riches we about the riches we have. Or on the other side, you've heard people say, you know, if you're rich, you can't get into heaven. The thing there is that people who are saying, if you're rich, you can't get into heaven, would usually say, who's rich? Definitely not me. Um, some of the issues there would be that, you know, the statistics by now are pretty well known that most of the people in the Western world, America being the biggest example, but most people in the Western world are by comparison to third world countries, rich. All of us are by comparison. You know, if you just want to use a, a comparison with other people, then we're all rich. And so there's just some other hard things there. So uh, Easton, you were talking about the context to try to help us understand this verse better. So first, here's something. Here's what I think. Here's something we should try out. I don't think. So this is my opinion. I hope the context says so. We'll show that it's right. We'll find out. 
Yeah, it's my opinion that this verse is not primarily about whether you can be rich and get into heaven. And it's also not primarily about um, whether Christians should be rich or not. Isn't that one of the funny things about the Bible, though? It's like a lot of times verses used to prove one thing or another, sometimes if you put them back in their context, turn out to be that though it may reflect on that, it's not actually about that entirely. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there might be some misunderstanding on why this verse is so hard to apply because we might be trying to apply it in the wrong way. All right. So first of all, we'll look at the context. What's funny is the context of this verse. I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but the context is also really well known in that it's a story. There, there's a story of the rich young ruler comes right before this. And I don't know how many people know that. And it's very important because the Gospel of Matthew is not a unconnected collection of Jesus' sayings. It's not a stitched together, uncollected uh, collection of Jesus' sayings. And then you just kind of have to like, oh, Jesus is saying something profound about riches here. Oh, moving on, he's saying something profound about something else. No, it's like put this teaching is purposely comes after the story. So if we don't look at the story and understand it first, then we'll completely misunderstand why Jesus purposely gives us teaching afterward. So let's look at it. It says, starting in verse 16, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So what does the man want? Eternal life. He wants to inherit eternal life from God, uh, the promised kingdom of God. He wants to inherit it. Verse 17, he says, and what he, And he, Jesus, said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. So Jesus puts the attention back off of him, back onto God, and says, okay, if you want to talk about somebody good, what about the Father? And you know the Father gave these commandments. If you want to enter life, keep them. And the rich young ruler, said, he said to him, which ones? (laughs) Okay, so he's asking Jesus to be specific in the law because what the rich young man wants to get out of the law is eternal life. He wants to get the kingdom of God out of the law. So he says, okay, which one should I keep? Jesus gives this rundown. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of uh, scholars have pointed out that Jesus starts with the commandments that have to do. So this is the second half of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments start with um, commandments that have to do with loving God, having no idols before him, making no images of him, and keeping his Sabbath holy. So he doesn't start yet with the relationship to God. He starts with the Ten Commandments to just concern his relationship to other people. It's at least interesting that Jesus started there. For this rich young man here, love your neighbors yourself. The young man doesn't correct Jesus about that. He just says, verse 20, the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus doesn't disagree with him. I want you to notice that. What do I still lack? Jesus doesn't say, hey, what about the first uh, four commandments? What about the fact that you're saying you kept all these commandments perfectly? So in other words, maybe Jesus agrees. Maybe he agrees this man never murdered anyone, never committed adultery, didn't steal from anyone, hasn't borne false witness about his neighbor. He honored his mom and dad, and he loved his neighbor as himself. Maybe that's true, you know? He doesn't Mm -hmm. argue with him. But leaving out the commandments that we should have no other gods before God, 
In verse 21, Jesus says to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So it's not explicitly spelled out in the verses here, but it's entirely possible that what this man was trying to diagnose, what Jesus diagnosed in this man, is that he had a God before God. Yeah. What do you think it might be? Probably money. Moolah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's possible. I don't think that's torturing the text. I don't think it's pulling something out of it that's not there. I think it's entirely possible that he left the commandments about not having any gods before him out. And I think instead of Jesus telling, just going, hey, dude, you love your money more than God, mm-hmm. he just goes, hey, if you really want what you say you want, which is treasures in heaven instead of treasures here, then give away everything and follow who? Jesus, right? <laughs> so it's all, it's all right. You know, it's all like you can't really skip any of it. And so there's Jesus in front of the young man basically saying, God is right before you. And all you have to do is give up this, these earthly possessions and come follow me and you'll have this eternal life you want so bad. With the meaning, I think that I take the meaning to be, and, and a lot of commentators take the meaning to be, not so much if you give away all your riches to the poor, then God will like you and you'll have treasure in heaven but merely just a diagnosis of this man's condition, which was his true God was money. Right. The willingness to be able to do it if you needed to. Yeah. So leave that idol behind. And there's lots of clues. I hope, you know, like you say, other people might be saying, no, dude, you're totally missing it. Hey, that could be I'm pulling on my education and the other um, commentators I've read throughout time and the context here. But it seems to me and a lot of other people, that this, what Jesus did is not lay down a permanent law about how much money you can have and still be a Christian and definitely not laying down a law that you have to give away everything that you have and that will impress God and then you'll be able to follow him, but instead was diagnosing this man with idolizing wealth and his inability to give it away for something, though. It's interesting. God, Jesus didn't say leave everything just because or, so, or because that will make you a good person. He says, if you do, you'll have treasure in heaven. He's asking the man to trade one treasure for another, not just give everything away. So Mm -hmm. he's trying to tell him that. So then that leads us in. The the young man heard this. He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions, so he he knows he can't part with it. 23, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you only with difficulty, will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven? Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's drawing, he's not laying down a law about money and God. He's drawing a teaching directly from what the disciples just saw. They just saw this rich young man confronted with the idea that he loved something more than God. Mm-hmm. He loved money more than God and couldn't yeah. let it go. And so he's saying, hey, you guys need to see that. The more possessions you have, the more you think you have in this world, the harder it will be for you to turn around to repent of this world and enter the kingdom of heaven. And when the disciples heard this, so they're not the we're here in 21st century America. We're not the only ones who who could be confused by this or think it's kind of astonishing. Because in verse 25 it says, "When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, 'Who then can be saved?'" 
But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So one of the, what could be some of the reasons why the disciples were astonished? Um, some of the good reasons would be this, like when God called Abraham out of his people and out of the land where he was living and said, go to a land that I will show you and I'll make you a great nation. When God chose Abraham, he prospered the daylights out of him to show God's presence with him. Mm-hmm. And from then on, God's blessing to the nation of Israel, to Abraham and to Joseph and on and on and on, the blessing was always manifest in the fact that God prospered them and blessed them. And so I think the disciples are pulling. So the King David, more than anything, King Solomon, you know, the riches and the prosperity that God brought upon them to say, I am with you and I will make you like the other nations, richer than the other nations and so on. I think they're pulling on that going, wow, I really thought that kind of um, prosperity was a mark of God being with you. And Jesus is challenging that, you know, and they were astonished. Mm-hmm. They were, they were like, they, they didn't. They didn't assume you had to be poor to be ri- to be godly. They actually assuming right. the other way around. And God is, Jesus is, purposely challenging that idea, and the and the disciples see it and they're astonished by it. So obviously Jesus is teaching that from now on to be poor is a sign that God is with you. All right. <laughs> or no, he's not. You know, he's like he goes with man. All things uh, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Then watch what 27 says. It says, Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. So what did the rich young ruler not do? He just walked away sad. Yeah. So Peter, I mean, Peter's going, I Peter's like, for once he kind of gets it, and he's like, Oh, see, we have left everything and followed you. We know that from the beginning of the Gospels, when Jesus calls them away from their work or their family or their tax table or whatever and says, Leave this, come follow me. You know, whatever this is, and Peter was, as far as we can tell, not rich, just a fisherman when Jesus left him, found him. So it's not like he left great riches. He just left his old life and followed Jesus for something new. See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said, if you lay down your, you know, he told the rich young ruler, give away everything that you have and follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. So Peter gets the whole combination, says, see, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? I can't speak for you, uh, Easton, but I expect Jesus to rebuke Peter again, like because Peter's a big dopey one with a big mouth who always comes in, says the wrong thing, and or cuts someone's ear off. So we're expecting another Peter moment here where God will be like, Peter, come on, dude, you haven't done anything for me. But what's the funny thing? Peter says, we've done this. Jesus agrees. Look what he says in 28. Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So, I mean, as far as I can tell from the context... Jesus does not disagree with Peter. It's kind of a relief for once. You know, Jesus is, uh, Peter says, we left everything to follow you. Jesus is like, true, you did. I see that. I see that you left behind everything and followed me. Uh, one way I was giving you a hard time saying Jesus is teaching everyone that now the new, the new cool is to be poor. The reason we can know that's not even the point is how Jesus goes on to, in verse 28, he goes on to say, 
um, in the new, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 29. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake. And you'll see this teaching throughout um, the Gospels and the New Testament, too. It's not necessarily money that Jesus is concerned about. He's not going... Mm -hmm. Money's the new enemy. Yeah. You, you can't have any. Mm -hmm. He's doing what he constantly does, which he's going, anything that keeps you from the kingdom of heaven, anything that keeps you from following me, anything that you worship, anything that has your allegiance above me, you will never lose out at all by leaving it and following me. So at the first we were saying it's very possible this verse doesn't have everything to do with whether you can be rich and be a Christian or not mm -hmm. and really might have a lot more to do with um, Jesus saying a lot of things. For one, Jesus was a radical change in the way that God was calling people to himself. Right, yeah. And that's uh, it's like hard to get because we've had that around for so long. They were like, well, yeah, I know. God became human, Jesus. But, like, I mean, it was a big deal. Right. Well, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, but something I'm, I'm kind of uh, feeling, I guess, like mm -hmm. noticing kind of undertones uh, is so before Jesus, there was a chosen people, and those were God's people, mm -hmm. and they were blessed, right? They had mm – -hmm. and, and it sounds like, you know, Jesus came to eliminate that, you know, and kind of just make a level playing field to open the door to um, to open the door for the kingdom of heaven to be available not just to the chosen people of Israel but to everyone. Yeah, and yeah. it just sounds like a, a furthering of that mentality. Yeah, or I guess that his mission. You know. Yeah, that's a great point. And also think about this, Easton. When you think back, like give, give me this one. Most, most Sunday schools teach this all the time. What was the main thing that wrecked Solomon? So why why didn't Solomon end up being the king that God had called him to be? Do you remember from the any lessons you've learned or read just reading the Old Testament? Like what was Solomon's problem in the end of his life? Why wasn't he the why wasn't he like Jesus ultimately? How many do you you remember Solomon and how many wives he was supposed to have? Uh just one, right? Yeah, and he had hundreds and he had like a thousand I I'm losing track of the numbers now. Like a thousand concubines and 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 so many wives, mm -hmm. and then the Bible explicitly is like Solomon's heart went after his wives instead of God, right? And he spent his prosperity. He even the Bible says he even let his wives build temples to their gods in you know basically in Israel mm -hmm. as an affront to God, and it gives us this big picture that his prosperity had choked out his desire for God and it, and for for Solomon it was localized in wives. Mm -hmm. Now you and I were sitting here, we both have one wife. Right. So, well, between the two of us we have two. Right. Yeah, we're not like <laughs> so we so we're cool, right? Like obviously we're Christians. Like God is loves us simply because we're not like Solomon. We don't have a thousand wives. Right. That kind of like either or thinking is the same thing that leads to either you can have a lot of money, whatever a lot means, mm -hmm. or you need to have almost no money, whatever that means. 
and that's what will have you be accepted by God. Right. When here, um, if if I understand right, these verses about the rich young ruler, instead focus it on like Jesus always does. What's in your heart? What what are your intentions? And why? And where? What part does God play in your life? You know. And I ultimately see now. I don't know. And here we're going to get a little theorize a little bit. I think everyone gets the point of the Instagram mm-hmm. shoes on pastors thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you tell me if I, I here's the point I get. I'm not on, I'm not on Instagram, and this is what you've told me about it, so I only have it from you. But here's what I think. I think that the two thousand dollars on the feet of a guy who says he's devoted to Jesus above everything else. I think they're trying to. I think that Instagram account is trying to go. No, you're not, and I can tell by your cool shoes. Is that am I is that am I simplifying it too much, or what do you think? No, I think uh, it, it depends on again your interpretation maybe uh, of of this verse before you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've looked around and I can't find the the actual explanation mm-hmm. of what it is, but that's that's definitely. Uh, a, a large way that people perceive the account yeah. at the very least. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I mean, all right, well, leaving aside whether that, you know, whether they're right or not, the Instagram account people. Right. I think, I think we understand. I really think we understand that. So here's what I, here's what I'm saying. I think for the rich young ruler, that's why Jesus describes him as rich and why he, at the end, he's like, Hey, leave your possessions. Cause he knows that'll do the trick. But I think for all of us, whether we consider ourselves to be rich or not, I think we can all find the things that God could put his hand on and say, this is what I need you to part from. Fathers, mothers, children, lands, name, uh, sake, depart from this, and uh, you will see that I am number one or I'm not in your life. And to localize it in money can be helpful in one way. So here's one way it can be helpful. It was helpful for the rich young man because that was his problem. That was his idol, money. I think it's helpful for almost all 21st century Americans because the idolatry of money in our culture is huge. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like aiming at money as an idol, you are going to hit something Mm -hmm. almost every time in 21st century. It's held very sacredly. Like if you have it, you want to brag about it. But you like it's it's weird to talk about how much you make and and all. So we we definitely have a very a different view, I think, of money than they did back. I could be wrong, but I think you're right. And I think one thing that's really cool is I really think that people in America are very religious about their money. You were hinting at it there when it, mm-hmm. you said you're not supposed to talk about it, but you are supposed to show it. It's kind of a sacred subject, mm-hmm. so you you need to learn the rules first kind of the religious rules of money so you don't end up offending somebody and and on and on like i said we can Mm -hmm. take up the whole podcast talking about this but here okay so just the the point that the verse is making about idolatry and about the kingdom of heaven and the treasures of heaven it's great like okay here's what i've experienced in 21st century america people usually want to turn the focus on money way down because they're trying to excuse our idolatry of money yeah, that's why I think. So you're trying mm-hmm. to like, well, this verse actually isn't about money at all. No, it really it has a lot it to do with money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot to do with money. But then in other contexts, 
we can, what's funny is we could also excuse ourselves because in America you have a lot of um, wealth inequality, meaning lots of people have lots and lot. well, a few people have lots and lots of money, and mm-hmm. then a lot of people have a lot less by comparison. Right. So it becomes great to go, oh man, this is so easy. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a, I'm not a billionaire, I'm not a millionaire, and I'm not even a hundred thousandaire. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely okay with God. Yeah. And that's the other, that's the opposite danger of making this verse about money when it's really about idolatry. Right. And I don't even, I don't even have the opportunity because I don't have enough money to have the opportunity for it to be an idol in my life. That's, that is possible. But what's funny is with idolatry, it can shrink or grow to any size necessary because all it has to do is keep you away from God. So the mm-hmm. point being, here's, I keep saying where we should draw it to a close, and I don't, but here, <laughs> like a point would be um, Peter speaks up and says he left everything. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus kind of agrees with that here, he'll go, yep, you're right. But later on, you remember with Peter, like Jesus is going to be um, crucified. Peter goes, no, uh, he says, all you guys will leave me. Jesus says, all you guys will leave me. Peter's like, no, not even if they kill me, I won't leave you. So though Peter was able to leave money, to you know he walked away from his well-being, his work or whatever to follow Jesus, his idolatry of his own like self was still alive and well, because mm-hmm. that's what he speaks up right then. No, no, I'll stick with you no matter what. And Jesus is like, no, you won't. You because you idolize your own safety and importance, you'll leave me as soon as someone touches your idol. Mm-hmm. So the really deceptive thing about money, if when we localize it in amounts to say, well, if you're a Christian, you can have a million, but no more. Or if you're a Christian, you can only have 20000 or less. Or if you're a Christian, you can only make $12 an hour or less. You know, when you get into all that, you're missing the point that it doesn't have anything to do with amounts and has everything to do with your heart. Huh. But the danger that Jesus is pointing to here very clearly, and, some, and something that should be a really stark warning for a very prosperous country like America, is that he's warning you that when you have large amounts of power, which is what money is in our world, mm-hmm. when you have large amounts of it, it would take a miracle to save you. Yeah, And that's that's a yeah. warning. I would say that's a warning for all Americans, because I can only speak as an American. That's my context, a Midwest American. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's a really stark warning for all of us because by everyone's standards, we live in the richest country in the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I hope I, I tried really hard to keep to the context. And then, oh, let's try this real quick. Where do we see Jesus in, in these verses? Jesus left everything to follow God, which I think is funny that when we think about that because mm-hmm. he was God, but he still lived that example. So the clearest way we can see in Philippians, it says that um, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So the fact that he was God, he didn't cling on to that. He was willing to risk it, so to speak. He didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Instead, he humbled himself. He like he put it off. He didn't stay in heaven. He came and was with us. And he humbled himself by becoming, by being found in human likeness. So not only did he become a human, but he also became obedient to death. Not even just death. So he didn't die quietly, an old man in his bed, having obeyed God his whole life. Even the death of the cross. So he was stripped literally of everything, his clothes, his life, everything, his reputation, his dignity. He was willing to lose everything 
because he knew that he had treasure in heaven. He didn't just lose everything because he was such a good guy. He constantly was showing that they couldn't take anything from him because his inheritance was safe in heaven with God. And he lived that out in flesh and bone. And then he calls, so that's how we see Jesus in these verses. He left everything to follow God, everything. And he did it for us and to honor his father so that when he calls us to leave everything, he's not a moderately successful upper middle class American pastor calling us to leave, sell everything and follow him. He's Jesus, the son of God, who literally had everything, including his dignity, stripped from him so that he could follow God. It's a really radical calling. When we look at Jesus in these verses, when we start talking about how much can you spend on shoes, we start to notice that really we've kind of lost our way. Right. It's a it's a good discussion, but it's more of a lightweight one based on wisdom. Seems petty in comparison. Yeah, and easily solved. Like you said, you kind of brought up work. Like if you need steel-toed boots that last for work, use your wisdom and get your boots. That's you know, it's like okay, problem solved. Right. But when we come to what what will it take for me to follow God? The answer of the Bible is everything, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just yeah. no compromise on it, you know, right. everything. Yeah. So, so here we sit still needing to still rich in ways and still needing to lose baggage so that we can continue to um, follow Jesus's example and live up to what these verses say. Yeah. All right, my friend. Cool. All right. That's it for this uh, special episode. Um, if you guys have any comments or questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Um, you can email me, J-S-E-R-R-A, at thecrosspoint.com. Um, you can comment on Facebook. Easton, am I missing anything? Any way for them to give feedback? Mm. You know, there may be a comment section on the website now. I'll have to see if that got uh, updated or not yet. But. Sweet. If there's a comment section on that website, you leave us some. And uh, if you have your own requests, let us know. We'll see you next time.